0: Amen. Well, this has been quite a week. And I'll take you back to what I've said before and, and uh, in regards to the political atmosphere and everything else. Um, I think it's important to give a little bit of background on this. Uh, many of you know this, but some may, maybe do not. But last, a year ago, August shortly after, you know, the primaries began, so a year and a couple of months ago, um, you know, I I was a follower of, you know, a fan of somebody else uh, that was running in the Republican Party, uh, you know, somebody that I felt was a a good Christian, you know, would be that Christian in the office and and everything else. And, And then the Lord spoke to me and told me that I was following the wrong person. And when he told me who to follow who to pray for, who to uh, sit back and, and um, uh, you know, believe in what God was doing, I was really surprised. And I've shared this with you before. He told me August, a year ago, that it was Donald Trump and that he would be in the office for eight years, that he would be our president for eight years. I had a real struggle with that. You know, uh, In fact, any time we hear prophecy even if we hear it in our head even if we hear it from the lord remember the bible talks about giving confirmations and so this was one i was absolutely going to wait for those confirmations and then september 1 month later when alex and i went up to life center and we had our uh, it, it was it was the ordination and, and effectively, the sending of our church. We went up there, and and we got to hear a guy whom whom I, I played last week. You got to hear him, Lance Wallnow, um, who who in the process of him preaching said the very same thing. And now he came from a per, from even a little bit different perspective because he he was he he had close proximity. To Donald Trump, what he is 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 an advisor on business. He's an advisor politically. He's He's he advises governments, but he gave that perspective, and and that was by that time that was the second confirmation for me. Well, over the course of the months following, God confirmed over and over again that this was what we were supposed to do. In fact, he, he had told, the April before that, he had told Wendy, when Wendy and I and Anissa went down to North Carolina, he had told Wendy that her prayers, and I believe the prayers of Ignition, of, of what we do on Tuesday nights, were going to have an effect on the election. So we knew at that point, okay, th- this is something that we can't just lay aside and, and figure, well, you know, God will do what he wants and, and we won't engage. We were told to engage. Now you know you've been here part of this for a long time. It wasn't engaging with my mouth. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, uh, pushing that. It was engaging in prayer. Okay. The entire time. What did he say? Your prayers will make a difference. I want you to understand something. Okay. What happened Tuesday? Okay. Does not change the fact that your prayers are important and your prayers will make a difference. Prayer is critical not just in our own lives, but prayer is critical to allowing God to do what he wants. What's it say in, in you know when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, you know, it was pretty simple, but the concepts are very profound. He said, pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So we're to pray for His will. We're to come in agreement with Jesus Christ, in agreement together, to pray for His very will that is in heaven to be done here. What does that mean? Well, we talked about a few weeks ago about books written in heaven, right? Psalm 139 said, Each of us have a book that's been written about us before we were ever born. And what that book consists of is God's will for our lives. Okay, But then it also talks about in Revelation that there are books for the nations. There are books for churches. There are books that God has books in heaven for everything. And what it is, is these books are written before time. It's His very will for those people. It's His very will for those entities. So we're to pray in agreement for what God intended for this nation, right? That's what we've been doing. That's what we've been doing on Tuesday nights for a long time. Okay? We've been praying for His will. Not praying what we think His will is. Okay, even though he told us what it was going to be, even though it was difficult to say that out loud, wasn't the popular thought, certainly, but even though he told us what it was going to be, he never said, pray that this happen." He just said, pray for my will. Agree for my will. See, that applies in our nation. It applies in our personal lives. It certainly applies now when we have the continued divided nation that we have had. But I want to share something with you because this, this is significant to me. What happened Tuesday night, and, and remember, remember what happened, I shared during communion, what happened Tuesday morning with me. Okay, I felt that that was not just for me. I felt that that was also for ignition. Okay, almost a graduation, if you will. I felt for a long time now, and, and I can't even explain this, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, whether you believe it or not. I'm just telling you where my brain is, and where I've felt the Lord impressing on my heart for, for months, at least six months. But I have felt what God is doing in ignition, and I've shared before, what he's preparing us for is warfare. That's why we've been going through, you know, spiritual warfare series for, I don't know, three, four years now. (laughs) All right. Okay, he's prepared us as warriors, but for what? I think he's revealing that. I have felt for a long time that, that what ignition is called to do goes hand in hand with what is going on in our country. And that's why we knew what was going to happen Tuesday night was going to be a shock to most people. We knew that it was not going to end the division in this country. But in some ways, even plant further division In some ways, take that divide that is already there And widen that divide And I want to share with you why Okay, It's not because of ideologies That's important to understand It is because there is a war going on There is a very real war between heaven and hell, if you will Okay, Satan, our accuser, who comes before the throne day and night, bringing before him anything that he can find on us, is warfare against the church. Now the very thing that we've talked about in Revelation chapter 3, verse 9, that we've talked about happening, if you can imagine a country where God is lifted high in the ways that He should be in this country, you you then come to the realization we're a long way from that. Right? So for God to do that, He tends to shake things up. You look throughout the Old Testament, throughout Judges, throughout 1 and 2 Samuel, throughout Kings, and you see every time Israel fell away from the Lord... For them to come back, there came a shaking. There came a point where it didn't make sense. What's going on? There came a time of testing of His people. Do you really want me? Or do you just want comfort? See, we're in that testing right now. Do you really want Jesus Christ? Do you really want His favor? Or do you just want to be comfortable and... Sit in your comfort zone Even politically Where let's just not have the divide Let's just not fight See the problem is the divide Is because there's the warfare And for those divides to be healed It has to be through the prayer Of the church That asks for that healing Because for the divide to be healed, it has to be conquered by love. Not hate. See, you have to understand that it isn't about not liking Hillary Clinton. It isn't about not liking, you know, anybody who you may not like if you're on the other side. It isn't about not liking Donald Trump. It's about understanding... The powers behind the person. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, The only way you conquer that divide, the only way you conquer anything is through love. See, Jesus Christ looks at what's going on, and, and He loves the people. He hates what's behind it. And so when we pray for Him to come in power, when we pray for Him to take over in power, there has to be a shaking. See, I've shared this before. I'll share it again. I don't think Donald Trump even knows what he's doing. I think he acts in instinct simply because what God is doing through him. And it's not about... Republican or Democrat. I mean, in, in all fairness, you know, if if Donald Trump is a Republican, he's about the worst representation of a Republican. And he's the worst representation of a Democrat. And I could just imagine God's up there saying, you know what, I'm not either one, guys. I just know that you prayed for my presence and you prayed for my power so that's what I'm going to do see we as a church we need to be behind that in praying for his will to be consistently done on this earth that's it it's super simple we don't have to ask for this particular thing or that particular thing Jesus said it's simple just be in agreement for His will. Why? Because then we place it in His hands. He knows better than us anyway. And then we just act in obedience. Well, Friday morning was interesting for me as well. God gave me a word. It was at 4.18 in the morning. And, and by the way, I don't know... I never noticed the... Like like when He'll wake me up and give me something, I, I, I don't think any time before I've really specifically noticed the clock. And this time I did, and it was 4.18, so if that means anything to y'all, you can let me know. Because <laughs> I think there's an element there that, I, that I'm not getting or, or haven't gotten yet. But he gave me a word that morning that he, he made me write down. And it was, the recycling of America has begun. That's what he woke me up to tell me. The recycling of America has begun. And as I got to thinking about this later on that day, I looked up the meaning of the word recycle. Because that, you know, that, that's not a word I you know, would just put in my head or use or whatever, and I certainly wouldn't think of that in terms of America or who we are as a government or anything else. So I looked up the word recycle, and it means this to treat or process used or wasted materials to make suitable for reuse. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. So how does that apply to America? The recycling of America has begun. So I looked up the process, and you can look up the process of recycling on all kinds of different things, on plastic, on glass, right, on rubber on all kinds of different things that, that we recycle. But the process was basically the same in each one. And it boiled down to four things. The first is the collection of the old product. Okay, when, when, you, when you have a bottle, we have these bottles here that, that we drink, these plastic bottles. When, when, you, when you're done with those, you're supposed to scrunch, scrunch them up and put them in a separate trash you know, bin, right? If you recycle you put it in a separate trash bin that trash bin is collected the collection of that trash the collection of that used material is collected and brought into one place then the second phase of that is breaking down those elements when they break down the elements of of this this uh, plastic they break it down so the different pieces of it become separated in the process, right? You, you break it down, you have, you have plastic in here, but you have a lot more than plastic in here. You know, you've got this paper, you've got dirt, you've got other, other chemical elements that aren't supposed to be there that have attached themselves to this product. Okay, you have blemishes in here. It's used. It's been infected by different things that the world has, has done in, in touching it and everything else, right? Okay? So when it goes into this breakdown mode, it breaks that down. It literally melts that away so the, the chemical compounds separate and they can separate what is bad to bring together what is good and what is usable again. That becomes the raw material phase. When they take what was, what was separated, they separate out the dross Okay, like what it talks about, in, when, when you're purifying gold, you burn and you, you melt gold, so it takes all the elements that are not pure, rise to the top, and then they can scrape off the dross. That's called dross. It's the sa- same concept. It's purifying it through heat. Purifying it through breaking it down to the basic elements. Then it becomes raw material. Okay, in the case of plastic, or in the case of glass. And and then what they do is they, they produce this this raw material into, into uh, packaging that can be used by the different companies. And then they resell something that had been used before, had an intended use, and then they were able to melt it down and, and use it again. Then the last one, the last phase of this is producing a new product. Okay, with the glass, they can now produce and make new glass. Glass that's been broken up, or, or in the case of the plastic bottles, now they can reproduce different bottles. They're not having to, to take those and put them in the, these, these trash dumps to where they'll sit for eons, right? Okay, this helps the environment. But it's more than helping the environment. It is making something that has been unusable. Into something that is now usable. I think why God used that word in the recycling of America has begun is because what He is doing is a shaking up right now of this country, and that process is going to shake out the corruption that has been so embedded. And again, I'll say corruption is not just in one party or the other. Corruption is all over Corruption is rampant in this country And for that matter, as America goes, so goes the world There's corruption all over the world And for Revelation 3.9 to even happen That corruption has to come to a place where it's burned out of there And we're going to get into that here in a minute Because it's important to understand what God is doing What he's doing with the church. This is not judgment. That's important to understand. What's going on in our country is not judgment. It is an answer to the cries of his people saying, We want your will. We want you to come and dwell in our hearts in power. That's what we want. Now, we might have a different idea of what that looks like in our brain. But that's why words are important. That's why he said, Pray for my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, not what you think my will is. Even though you heard, heard you know, even though I knew what God had told me in terms of that it was going to be Donald Trump for eight years and blah, 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 it, it was so tempting to pray. Well, Lord, I know he told me that, so, so God, I pray and I start specifying my prayer. It was so tempting to do that. It would have been so easy to do that. But it would have been so wrong for me to do that. Why? Because He knows His will a whole lot better than I do. And my safety is in the fact of saying, Lord, I just want Your will. See, that's how I pray for this church too. I just want Your will. I just want You to move. I just want You to fulfill Your promises in what you're doing i just want your will that's it just do your will there's safety in that i'm here to tell you when he shakes it could be difficult it could be scary it could be confusing but it's something we don't have to be afraid of and I don't want to discourage anybody. But please understand something. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Because when you root out corruption, and I'm not just talking about in the government. There's corruption in every facet. We, talked, we looked at it last week. In, in all the seven mountains of influence, there's corruption in every one of them. Not least of the church. There's corruption in the church. What do I mean by corruption? I mean it from all phases down to what's most prevalent where the church does not give God the reign anymore. Where the church is operated like a business because well, we know this works, this marketing tool works business-wise, if we do this much, it will bring in this much in income or or offerings, tithe and offerings. That's what much of the church has become. Instead of, we want your will, God. If it's your will for us to be here, then you will place it in somebody's heart to write a check. I want you to understand something. That's why we don't take offerings here, and we never have. Unless it's just a special fundraiser thing that we're doing. We have a box over there, we call it the storehouse. We don't take offerings here, not not because of any other reason except for the fact that we want your will, God. We want your will. And 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 9-8, we know that you promised to do your will and provide for everything that we need if it's your will for us to do it. So we don't take offerings here. I know for a fact... Did something happen there? I, I know for a fact of what he wants to do here, he will provide for it. The needs that we have. We're about to get into a building. Okay? I, 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 I don't even know all the parameters of that. But I know they're not free. I know the, the tax alone for this. It, my dad was telling me the, the other day, the tax alone for this building is 50000 a year. <laughs> okay, Lord. Your will your will, not ours. Why? Because that puts the hook on him. He knows what check he's going to have to have written for what happens there. If that's his will, he will provide. It works from a church standpoint. It works from a government standpoint. It works down to a personal standpoint in your own life. Lord, I pray for your will and what you want. You want me to do this? You want me to write my tithe check? I trust you. Because in obedience I do what you tell me to do, so I trust you to follow through and to hold up your end of the bargain. And guess what? He does. He does that exact thing. But understand that in in this shaking process, it could be a scary process. I I know on Facebook there are so many people unfriending each other now. You cannot be my friend because you do not believe the same way that I believe. Shame on us. You know, that, that's not part of 1 Corinthians 13. We're to love. We're to pour love. That's why I don't like... I, I did a few videos. I did one before the election, one after the election. And, and I stated on that first one, I, I don't like Facebook for this one fact. It is the worst platform for debate. <laughs> You'll never get to the truth on Facebook. It's, it's just... A platform to jab That's all it is But you know what? It becomes a powerful platform When your intent is love Because love covers And all these people that we may be divided with Or even on a personal level You know what? Jesus loves them As much as he loves you and me He wants the best for them As much as he wants the best for you and me. You know who wants to keep us divided? It's the enemy. So the very thing that we're praying for in agreement with the Lord, for him to come in power and glory and honor, is what requires the very shaking that is happening. Because see, Satan gets in and he influences our mind. He influences our choices. He influences the very way that we see things. So it will get worse before it gets better. Because Satan's scared. You know, the other time, I told you during communion, I said that I've only experienced this one other time when, when it wasn't a vision, it wasn't a dream, I felt like I was really there. Well, the first time was an opposite experience. I was in a room with Satan. I knew it was him. I wasn't sure what I was doing there, except I wasn't scared. God wanted me to realize and see his fear. And this wasn't that long ago. This might have been a month and a half ago. But I'm telling you, he is scared because he sees what God is doing. He sees the church rising up, not with a voice. But through the power of prayer, and just saying, "It's like we finally get it." Yes, Lord, Your will, Your will. I just, I'll do whatever Your will. Just You do it. I'm tired of doing it. I'm not good at it. I'm not good at this thing called life. You just do it because I trust You. You know a whole lot more than I do. <laughs> And now you start to see the body of Christ doing that all over. And just like the children of Israel when they would be in slavery and they would cry out. God listens. And God receives that. He sees it in our hearts when we desire nothing but Him. And He responds. But oftentimes he responds, knowing the beginning from the end and what needs to happen. And then we say, "Wait a second, that's not what I prayed for." Yeah, it is what you prayed for. You prayed for my will. So don't be surprised when the warfare intensifies to bring that purification. It's the same in the recycling process. You can't just take a bottle like this. You can't just take this bottle after it's been drunk. Let's say let's say, um, ten people drink out of this bottle. And you, you just go to the tap and fill it back up and put it back on the shelf. Yeah, that's kind of gross, isn't it? I, Shannon's cringing up here. <laughs> that isn't how it works. Why? Because then there are things that have become attached to it that can hurt somebody else. Right? So this has to go through a process of purging out what hurts us. Purging out what goes against the integrity of what this is supposed to be. It's no different with the church. When we ask for God to do His will in the church or to do His will in our lives, they're always is a purging first. There always is that process of breakdown to get rid of what is bad. To get rid of what influence the enemy has. Think about that in your own life. When you ask for anybody here that has really sought intimacy with Jesus Christ, I guarantee you, you've been through this. Because what happens is not immediately... Oh, I see the light. I feel good. Life is awesome now. Right? It doesn't work that way. What happens is all of a sudden there's a shaking and, and there, there are things that, that happen in our lives that we can't understand. Lord, what? Okay, wait a second. I prayed for your will and I just lost my job. I really liked that job. That's not. That couldn't be your will. And And God's up there saying, yeah, but if if you saw what I want for you, it would make sense. Just trust me. Just trust me. And that's what he does. He has to purge out all the other stuff. And in, in the case of our government, don't be dismayed with what's going on. There is a purging that is Happening it, 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 in, in reality, it hasn't even happened yet. I believe over the next two years, we're going to see this happening not only in our government, but in the body of Christ. We're going to see this purging process happen, where there's going to be heavy warfare over it. As much as we prayed before the election for God's will, it is so critical that we pray now that we want His will. Father, we want Your will because we don't want collateral damage in, in human beings. I don't want to lose anybody that is supposed to be in the bride of Christ. And I'm not talking about those who are already saved. I'm talking about those who are not yet saved. I don't want to lose any of them. I want all of them to have opportunity. And more and more and more opportunity to know who my God is. And to know what it's like to have a relationship with Him. So it's critical that we maintain prayer of unity together, praying for His will. And it's critical that you love. You know, I, I'll, I'll just encourage you, because I know most people are on Facebook, and don't, don't debate. Don't don't if, if you're a, if you're a Trump supporter don't gloat. If you're a Hillary supporter, don't fight. Because as a Christian, as someone who knows the Lord, you have a greater responsibility. Your responsibility is really simple: it's to love. It's to love. And, and and understand, I'm not saying you don't fight for what you believe. Okay, we fight for what we believe, but as directed by God, why not let Him do it? He does it so much better than we do. And all he says is just pray and trust me. So I want to get into something real quick, just for a few minutes. God showed me something new in Revelation chapter 3. Okay? I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. <laughs> I know we've gone through this a million times. One of these days, we might just spend time just on this this one letter to Church of Philadelphia. Because it's it, God just shows me more and more in here, and it, it blows me away. But this particular piece I want to bring out, because this is happening right now. Verse 7, And to the angel of the Church of Philadelphia write, and by, by the way, remember, this is Jesus Christ writing this letter. These are Jesus Christ's words. And, the, and by the way, I'll, I'll mention this too. This was written after the destruction of the temple. It, it, Jesus had, had risen from the dead roughly, you know, uh, 30, what was it, 30 AD or whatever it was, somewhere around in there, 33 AD. Okay, he rose from the dead, and then some 35, 40 years later, you have a destruction of the temple, which was prophesied by Jesus. Okay? As we read into this, the, the prophecies of destruction that verse 10 is talking about here is not the prophecies of the, the destruction of the temple, which some people say. Cause, why? Because that already happened. This was written in roughly 90 95 AD. Okay, this was this was some forty years after, or no, twenty years after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, so and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, you right. The words of the Holy One, the True One, who is Jesus Christ, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut. Who shuts and no one opens. We won't turn to it now, but back in Isaiah. And there's a couple examples of this. There was a king that, that this was given to in Isaiah and said the same thing. He, is, he was given the key of David. okay. And what he opens, what door he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. What does that mean? That is a seal of authority. The, the key of David is an earthly key it's important to understand that this is not something going on in heaven okay this is something going on in mankind because the key of David is the authority of David's throne so you see there were when Jesus Christ died he became he was prophesied to be the final king of Israel. Okay, but that's never happened. It's not happened yet. It will, we understand, prophecy that, that when Jesus Christ comes the second time, he comes in authority. He comes to set up his earthly kingdom, which ends up is what the millennium is, the thousand year reign of Christ. That is an earthly reign. That is an earthly authority. That is not a God authority. That is not something happening in heaven, and we don't see it because we're down here. This is something that happens down here. This is David's throne who is an earthly, kingly throne. Jesus now has the key of David. So he has the authority of David's throne. That's important to understand because how he starts out this this letter to this church, he's stating his authority and by what he is about to talk about. If you look at all the seven letters to the seven churches, What he does in the first sentence is establishes his authority to that church. Okay? In this case, he is establishing his authority to the church of Philadelphia as an earthly authority. I have the king of David. I have his key. I have his authority. You could think of it as his scepter. Okay? Or, Or in Rome, his insignia ring. The very thing that is the seal that is used to bring a proposal into law. Okay, it's kind of like the president's signature, right? Okay, when, when he, he proposes something into law. That's what Jesus Christ is saying here is, I have authority on earth and that is by, the, by what authority I am writing this letter right now. Let's go on to verse 8. He's talking to the church of Philadelphia. He says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut, and I know that you have but little power, and and yet you have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Then we get into the verse that I've said a million times, right? Verse 9, Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. What's he saying here? He's saying, I have the earthly authority to proclaim this is going to happen on earth. He's talking to a physical church at that time Philadelphia but metaphorically he is talking about a different time because see that verse nines never happened before it's never happened in the history of the church but yet he promises that it will right and and I don't want to sidestep here because maybe one day we'll go through this and I'll I'll explain why this is today's age okay the Church of Philadelphia we are in the time frame of the Church of Philadelphia, I believe. But what's he say here? He says, I have the authority. Behold, I put before you an open door. He didn't say that he has an open door for himself. He is saying to the church, the body of Christ, I have set before you an open door. And that's a governmental door. That is a door that brings on... Verse nine. Look at this in succession. It's the very thing that that brings on verse nine. He says later in verse eight he says he says, You have but little power and yet you have kept my commandments. You have little power, little showing of my power, but yet you have proven yourself to me. You have sought me and stayed close to me, even though you didn't understand. Things going on in the world or things going on in your life. Behold, I open a door. That's a governmental door. I want you to understand, that's what's happening right now. That's what's happening in the United States. And that's what's happening and going to happen throughout the world. He has opened a door for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But notice he didn't say, and I will grab you by the hand and pull you through the door. He didn't say that. He said, I open the door and it's there for you. Do you want it? See, before you can choose to want it, you have to understand that it's there. You have to understand what he wants to do. He wants to do, verse 9. See, because verse 10, He takes the church away. He raptures the church before going into the final judgment of the earth. So before that happens, He wants to bring about verse 9. Let's look at verse 9 again. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Who's that talking about? Remember the time that this is being written. See, you have an element that say, I believe in God, but have no clue who He is. And you have those even in what we call the church, where you have people just want to feel good, want to seek God because, well, if I seek God, He'll give me everything I want. He'll provide... Abundance for me. I want that Cadillac. <laughs> you know, I want this, I want that. So I'm, I'm going to go after God because at least I can believe that He'll do it. See, there's an element of the church that does not know Him and says they know Him. That's what the synagogue of Satan is. That's his influence even in the church. And that's not even to say those who are not part of the bride of Christ, who are not part of the church. I, mean, if he, I wish I had pulled up this statistic. If, if you go and you do, you do a, um, uh, if you ask all of America this question, I think it's something like, something like 80%, if you say, do you believe in God? or a God, or whatever, do you you believe in God, without defining who God is. Most people, it's either 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10, I can't remember, it was the majority of people say, yes, I believe in God. I mean, but yet, we know good and well that there's a difference between believing in God and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, you know that when you're on the other side of it. It's like salvation. It's really hard to explain to somebody who's not saved what it means to be saved, right? But it's, it's almost like, well, y- when you do it, you'll get what I mean. <laughs> you'll understand what I mean, right? Well, it's, it's the same way with this. But it's those people that say, I believe in God and yet do not and mock the very things that he stands for and who he is. See, that's an influence of the enemy. That's the synagogue of Satan because you can't choose a middle of the road. You can't choose to follow God or, well, I'll just, I'll just kind of follow God. No, when you choose him, you become bought with a price. It's no longer your choice anymore. When you accept him as Savior, you become his. So until that happens... Whose are you? You're not your own. You're never your own. You have an influence one way or the other. So, those who do not know him are influenced by the very enemy that he's talking about here. So, what's he saying in verse 9? He said, I will make them come down and bow down before your feet. That's a crazy thought. That's a crazy thought. I want to read the, the Greek word for bow is proskuneo. And what it means is it, it says here the meaning of the word is to kiss almost like a dog licking its master's hand. Okay? To fawn over, to crouch to, to prostrate oneself in homage or adoration. I don't know about you, but I've never seen that happen to the body of Christ yet, and yet it says it's going to. Now why? Is that because we just become some great thing? (laughs) It's because Jesus works in our lives to show how awesome He is. What's it say at the end of that verse? And they will learn that I have loved you. See, that word learn there gives a really important key to what's going to happen. It shows it's a process. It's a process of the world learning that Jesus loves his bride. I've talked about it before. This is the very readying of the bride, this is the readying of the church to be ready to receive her bridegroom. That has to happen. And what I'm saying right now is what happened Tuesday is the very beginning of prophecy coming true. That's the open door. You have an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to work and to come in power. By the way, you don't have to do it. You just have to in agreement for his will Pray for his will As we seek him in relationship As we seek him in our own lives That's what adds credence to our prayer Right? The closer we walk with Jesus Christ In our personal relationship with him Effectively The more power For lack of a better word We have in our prayer It doesn't change our prayer. It just gives us more influence in that prayer. We still stand as witnesses before the throne and we say, we are in agreement with your will, whatever it is. We trust you to do it. And we ask for your will to be done on earth as you've written it in your books. That's really what we're saying. (laughs) I can't get past the fact that I want you to understand that this is happening right now. And, and I felt all along for probably the last six months to a year that what God is doing in ignition is tied hand in hand with what He's doing in this country. And He's doing, I, I know there are pockets of people like us all over the world that he's doing the same thing to. But understand that he has opened a door. And he is now affording opportunity for us to trust him. Just to trust him and say, whatever you want. So I want to encourage you to not be afraid of that. And as things do get worse, don't be afraid. Just be in agreement for his will. Because we have to go through that breakdown process. We have to go through the process of purging out everything that will be defective in a new product. And and by the way, that's not talking about people. Okay, I, I pray no people are purged out. I know that's God's will. He doesn't want to purge anybody out. But he wants to purge the corruption out. He has to. Because light and darkness cannot dwell together. It just can't. So the darkness has to be purged out. So trust in what he's doing. And don't be afraid. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you for who you are, God. And we just pray your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven we thank you that we can, without even understanding what's going on or having to even know what's going on, we thank you, God, that we can just say, your will be done. Your will be done, God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Wow! If that verse doesn't show you that there's layers and layers of depth in Scripture, I don't know what does, because that's um, that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I was sitting there thinking how true when He said, "Love conquers all," and love is um, really very very powerful, especially when you think about it in relation to another person. Yesterday, as I was worshiping the Lord. Um, told me that I needed to do something before I even continued because of obedience to him. And, of course, obedience brings breakthrough, which we've talked about. And what it was was a phone call to someone who um, had a long time ago brought uh, some hurt into our family. And I realized that at the time, I didn't recognize that I was fighting the enemy, I felt like I was fighting that person and wanting to make sure that they knew what they were doing was harming the family. And the Lord has since shown me so clearly who my enemy is. You know, we've always known that, you know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time or even if you haven't been until later in life, you know that, you know, there's a devil and there's an enemy. But he showed me so clearly that the way to conquer this and to mend this and to break any strongholds that may be existing, which the Holy Spirit revealed to me that there still were some strongholds in this situation over this person, the way to do that is to declare to the enemy via to them that you love them. And so literally it was a phone call to, as a sword against the enemy to tell this person that I love them. And I just called them. I said, I need to tell you something. I said, I just need to t- say to you how much I love you. And it was, it was both beautiful and both sticking it to the enemy, which is what is so great. See, when you think about fighting and, and some of the acrimony and things that are happening, especially on Facebook, social media, and even in families. A lady just told me the other day that her mother, or, or that um, a friend of her, uh, a mother-daughter are literally now not speaking at all. They've not only unfriended one another, but they're not even speaking face-to-face. They have no relationship now because of the political climate and what's happened being on the opposite views in this situation. And what we need to recognize is who our enemy is. And it is not each other. You know, when you start to see with a spiritual lens, you can find... I mean, truthfully, when... Even the company Pedigree puts a dog commercial on trying to show that petting a, a beautiful golden retriever in uh, one of the, the uh, rallies, they showed uh, this, they, they did a, an experiment of this lost dog. And they, um, they were showing that, the, that the, everyone's love for this animal helped them to find things in common. They showed people with Hillary t-shirts on and then people that have Trump hats and t-shirts. And at the end of this experiment, it was actually a really long commercial. I thought, what are they just suddenly doing, going to a documentary on the news? But they, they said that it was, it was an experiment to show that even with severe differences and the, the divided feelings that have been going on. This was, of course, even before the results. But they said, look at it. It took an animal coming together to, to you know, pet an animal. So if the world can figure out some commonalities, boy, the church better get it together mm-hmm. and recognize that it is not each other that we need to be fighting. You can fight sin just as hard as you've ever fought it. And, and I knew that my first step in breaking any kind of stronghold that would be over this person or this situation or any other relationships involved with this is to first declare love because it is not about us having an issue anymore. It's about me taking the enemy on and, and recognizing that he has no place and no authority in this anymore. And wow, how freeing that is. It will, I mean, who wants to be able to go to your job and, you know, your school and things like that and constantly be paranoid because of who you're around? Um, and love really does um, do some amazing things. So remember that, and there's, um, there's I know there's so much more to share. It's so, it's so powerful. I wanted to only give you a couple of my quick announcements.